Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Back to Basics program with Rabbi El Shalom. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about Mashiach. Who will it be? Who could it be? How do you become a Shiach? Could anybody become a Shiach? Well, let's find out. I'm Israel Yudkowski. You are listening to the Foundations Podcast. Alrighty, so we are here for another episode of the Back to Basics program with Rabbi Liel Shalom. We are going to start the Mashiach series. Mashiach, Olam Haba. So Rabbi Liel, take it away. I'm super excited. Okay, so yeah, we're going to have a lot of those topics coming up. But first, we're going to start focusing on the coming of Mashiach. And we're going to try to learn that whole entire concept um, mostly based on the Rambam. So um, uh, let me start with three introductions. <laughs> first of all, why is this such an important topic? It's because, first of all, it's something we pray for it every day, right? What do we say? We say, um, all over the avening, every drasha that you hear, you end up with like, and the coming of Mashiach. Mashiach is a very center center part in our peace, in our life, in Jewish life. Not only that, it's one of the Ikare Emuna. It's one of the Yudgimel Ikarim, the one of the 13 foundations of Jewish belief. And one of them that you believe in the coming of Mashiach. Now, if that's one of the beliefs, how important it is to know what is that thing that you're believing in. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of misconceptions that we're going to talk about some of them about the coming of Mashiach you know there's some parts that are you know that are here and there and hard to understand but a lot of parts that are just myths that people almost make up and you know it has to do somewhat with the truth but it's all over and I think it's a problem because if you're praying for Mashiach and it's not clear to you what is that thing that you're praying for what do you want so much uh, I think it's a problem. Number two is, you know, unfortunately, some people think that only because, you know, ah, my life is so difficult. Everything is really hard. This world is crumbling. And, you know, this president became a president and this guy is doing like that. And the world is coming to an end. That's why I'm praying for Mashiach, because things are so terrible. You know, there's some people that their life is decent, no one is perfect, but you know, he's rich, he lives where where's a rich place, Israel? You know, give me give me a good place. Where people people are very happy or or rich? Oh no, I'm talking about a very wealthy rich people, you know. Very wealthy rich people, uh, LA. Oh no, now they're all getting out of there, they're all moving to Texas. America. <laughs> <laughs> no, see so, um so what about a person that lives in a very rich place and his life is decent? He has what he needs. He's like doing really well. He's successful. So like he doesn't pray. He need, doesn't need to pray for Mashiach. Unfortunately, it's like that. There's people that unfortunately they say, you know, life is good. I mean, although, you know, you can look into that life is good. And they feel like Mashiach, like my situation is okay. Um, you know, maybe we need some peace in the world. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. 
but they don't care much about it. So hopefully at the end of the year, we're going to understand at the end of the two of the two shirim of really trying to really understand the concept of Mashiach, hopefully that will change. That everyone, every single Jew around the world should be yearning for this for Mashiach. But you need to understand well the concept. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, introduction, and now this is, I don't know, it's like part three of the introduction, a very important thing to note before even we start. You see, in this topic, you know, when you're learning a different uh, topic in Judaism, let's say that's talking about, uh, you know, damaging your friend's property or things like that. What do you pay? Or court cases and things like that. So you can talk about, you know, there's this side, that side. Do I explain it to this way, to that way? And um, there's a svar, there's a, you know, there's an idea to say over here, there's support to this idea over here. When it comes to the concept of Mashiach, there's not much to play games. You don't, you don't bring your own like feelings. I feel that this is what it means or not. All the coming of Mashiach is based on prophecies. Prophecies, as we're going to learn soon in the Rambam, starting from the Torah itself, inside the five books of Moses, and spread throughout some of the books of the Nevi'im, of the prophets. Okay, so that over there we are, we base all our belief in Mashiach, the Emunah, is on those promises from the Torah and the Nevi'im. Okay, now I said this on, on this show a few times, we don't, we, use, we don't believe in blind faith. There's no such thing blind faith. There's faith that's built on something. For example, um, um, you know, unfortunately in the world, it's known that if you have very strong faith, for some reason, it reflects on the truth of it. It makes it stronger. It supports your idea because you're like such a big believer in it. You know, you just believe in it. I don't know if you, you're getting the hint what it sounds like, but... If you just believe in him, it, so it's all good. And that says it's all true. Nope. In Judaism, that's not the way it works. You first start, like the Ramam says, which is a big topic on its own, but we base it on logic, on yediyah, on something that we do an equation. Like, for instance, when we were defining God, you, you know, you get to know the concept of God. And on that, you can continue and build on the, you know, purpose of creation and things like that, like we spoke at the beginning. So what I mean, we don't have blind faith in Judaism, is we don't believe, now, that in, for, for, in, for instance, this one, the coming of Mashiach is something futurist, right, Israel? It's something that's going to happen in the future. I mean, within the promise itself, it's something that's going on in the future, so how do I know? How can I predict the future? I cannot predict the future. How can I know what's going to happen in a second, right? So that is faith. It's something like you trust God, but it's not that you trust him for no reason. You're basing it on, by the way, do you know that most, majority, majority of the nevus of the prophecies that are written in the Navi, right, all came true. You look throughout the Navi, all these things that were said, which happened on later on, besides a few of them, but actually most of them were, they actually happened. 
And and that's how we back in the day we knew that a Novi is not a Novi Sheker, he's a Novi Emes, that some of the things he said would actually happen. And then I know for the rest. So the same thing over here, we're basing it on the same God that took us out of Egypt. Now it's we're in the parshas of of the Exodus, uh, you know, leaving Egypt. So we're basing it on all like on the Har Sinai shear, of course, that we prove Har Sinai. And after you have all that which is sitting well by you in your brain and your logic, then we can talk about trusting on future things. That's emuna. Then you can start practicing emuna believing based on your idea. It's not based on nothing. Okay. So that's a very important introduction over here. Everything we're going to say has to be based. If it was within the promise, I mean, if it was promised so-and-so, so that's, that's what we have. I cannot say, well, you know, Donald Trump and him and that guy, he's the, 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 for sure, the king that it means, the Mashiach, and that guy and the, 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 the Senate, the storming into the Capitol means is that I can't do any. There's some people that do that and it's a big mistake. And in fact, the Gemara and Sanhedrin talk about those people, in, in, you know, there's even a danger, more of a dangerous approach of mechashvia kitzin, people that calculate how exactly that end work like, and they figure it out technically what the, what are the verses mean? No. We have a general description of what is the concept. What are we waiting for? What are we praying for? And that's what we believe in. We cannot start interpreting like we're going to see the Ramam himself is going to say. So that's an important introduction. We can't make up anything. Whatever's in the promise is what we got. Okay. Okay. So this time we're going to do it a little bit different. You know, usually I've just, you know, we just talk. Now I'm going to do some quotes from the Rambam. Can't do it better. You know, this, because it's this concept, I want to show you inside. If you want to know it, it's in the Rambam, Mishnah, um, in the, um, in the Mishnah Torah of the Rambam in Shoftim. Hilchos um, Melachim in the halachas of kings, the eleventh parak will be this episode, and more the kind of twelfth parak will be the twelfth chapter will be um, next week. But anyways, um, we're going to start reading. You know, I'm going to skip some parts, but I'm just going to bring the points that we want to establish here to get to the. Um, we're going to first talk about who is the Mashiach. And what is the Mashiach? Okay, so just a little introduction that I, what I mentioned uh, um, before. HaMelech HaMashiach Atid La'amod, the King Mashiach, which we're going to explain soon, he will stand and Lachzir Malchus David Liyoshna, and he's going to bring back, okay, pay attention, the kingdom of David HaMelech. What, what, what is that? Um, so we know that God promised the kingdom of Israel, meaning who could be a king? Uh, it was first promised to Judah, to Yehuda, to, the, to the, one of the Yaakov's sons, Yehuda. He was promised the Melucha, and later on, as we know, um, David Amelech got the kingdom, and from the kingdom of David, Hashem promised him that all of his, all the Melucha of, of uh, uh, the royal the royalty will, will go to descendants of David Amelech. 
And that's all the balagan, as they say in Hebrew, all the mess that happened that you read throughout the Navim, which kind of eventually brought the destruction of the temple was because this got messed up and there was a different, there were two kingdoms. It was the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. That was a big problem. Okay, so the kingdom, so Melech HaMashiach is a king that he's going to bring back the Malchus David. And he's building the temple. And he gathers the Jewish people together. And all of the Mishpatim, the laws that were in the time of King David, will come back. For instance, we're going to sacrifice Korbanos in the Beis Amedash like they did. Animals, the Osin Shmitim Viyalos. We're going to have the Shmita, the keeping the seventh year, although we keep it now, but not in full in some ways. Yovlos, which we even more we don't have in full. Kichol Mitzvah Samarav, in the exact way like the originally was designed. Bechol Mishen Omamidbo. Whoever doesn't believe, now this is kind of a, a, a scary thing at first, but we'll see. It's going to be very clear. But whoever doesn't believe in him, or or you're not waiting for his coming, whoever does that, um, we're not going to burn him on a stake. We're not going to beat him up. No, don't worry. Um, but very unfortunate for him. Why? It's not only he's denying the Nevim, the prophets that brought us this promise from Hashem of the coming of Mashiach, which we didn't explain yet. You're starting, it's not only something that came later on in the prophets, it's already written in the five books of Moses. It's from the Torah itself. And then the Rambam, I'm not going to go into this. The Rambam goes into different verses. And on, if you want to see the exact psukim, look inside. Okay? And then he goes to some of the psukim that are brought in the prophets. So he's first telling you, listen, this is a serious deal. This is a promise, like we said, on something futurist that uh, that we that it's a belief, like we said, on a das, because we have that relationship with Hashem already for so many years. That is promised in the Torah itself, 3,332 years ago. Okay? I'm going to skip on some of the Rambam. Whoever wants to go in more details and more depth, there's more parts to add, but we're going to move on. And then the Ramam gives us the first disclaimer. Al Yale, uh, I'm reading the third halacha. Don't think to yourself that the King Messiah, Mashiach, Tzarich Lasot Otos Umoftim Umechadash Dvarim Ba'olam, that he needs to do any magic, he needs to perform any magic. Or revives the dead, or all kinds of these type of sort of things. And he brings a proof from Bar Kuziva, whoever knows some Jewish history. We know Bar Kochva, right? He was he was fighting, he was pushing back against our enemies, against the Roman Empire, and um, he at the end he got killed. But a lot of the rabbis. They, they, they said that he potentially could be the Mashiach. They didn't say he's Mashiach, but he had the potential to be Mashiach. At the end, when he died, they said it's not. And the Rambam says they didn't ask him to prove. And the Rambam goes in detail on this proof 
of they didn't ask him, the rabbis didn't ask him to, you know, um, perform any magic or anything. So that brings us to they. The, they didn't ask him to throw his stick on the ground and it turned into a snake, uh, like with Moshe Rabbeinu. Right. Okay. So why did I say this is a disclaimer, Israel? Because you see, first of all, he's a he's a human. <laughs> That's I need to get that out of the way because I got in previous year and when I get one of this year is like, wait, Messiah's not like this angel flying in the sky and all the right. Sorry. It's a human with a nose and eyes and mouth, ears, a human, a great, great human, but he's a human. And we're going to describe more of the King of Messiah. Like it's just a human, like could be anyone we see in the street type of thing. Human as first, I just need to clear this off the table. Human as a human. Okay. No, he's not an angel. Human as he's not an angel, okay? He's a human like me and you. We're going to see what that human needs to do to be Mashiach. Again, so the, another disclaimer the Ramam says, he doesn't have to perform magic. He's not a magician. He doesn't have superpowers. So it's not David Blaine. Okay, we got that over <laughs> That um, not real magic disclaimer. But, um, but even real magic, you know, uh, such as you mentioned before, taking elephants out of the stick... Right, um, which David Blank, David Blank cannot do. Yeah, probably not. Uh, maybe you'll hear this and we'll challenge him and he will he'll try. But um, all right, David Blaine, we got a challenge for you. <laughs> like to sell for mice. He's under the water for like twenty minutes, which is not magic. Um, it's just a good math. Yeah, but uh, we got a challenge for you. Next stunt live on YouTube. <laughs> so uh, back to the. Melech HaMashiach, like we said, first of all, human, and a per, a, it's a person that doesn't need to have superpowers. You know, in the movies, they like to make these great people with some superpowers in him, and that makes him, like, so superior. No, he does not need to perform any magic, says the Rambam. We don't see any source of that in the Nevi'im. Now, I just want to say you're probably curious about the word Mashiach. Stroll, what does Mashiach mean? What is the word? What does the word Mashiach mean? Mashuach is to like Shem and Amishcha. Right. What is Mashuach? Mashuach means anointed or <laughs> if I'll translate it freely, it will be Shmir. The Shmeared one. Mashiach is actually <laughs> the Shmir. People think his name. So here's another disclaimer. People think his name will be Mashiach. And when Mashiach, when Mr. Mashiach will, not Mr. Chas Vashon, Rabbi Mashiach will come, like they think that's his first name. And what's his last name? I don't know. <laughs> right? That's another wrong thing about Mashiach. His name is not Mashiach. Mashiach means he's anointed. Like also King David was Mashiach. Also Sholem Melech was Mashiach. Right? They used to anoint, the put oil. Right? That's where it came from. Shem and Amishka. The, the, the smeared oil they, they used to put on their forehead, uh, on the head, on the top. They used to put oil. Um, there's different explanations why, you know, just you, you want, if you want just like one as a fun factor, like oil always floats to the top, right? So it kind of symbolizes that he floats, he rises to the top, that he's, he's our, our leader. Um, there's different reasons. Obviously, in the Torah, it goes much deeper than what I just said. I just remember this. It was a very... 
uh, nice idea that I heard. Hey everyone, I'm interrupting this wonderful conversation to let you know about a fantastic, one-of-a-kind book that Artschool has recently published titled On the Shoulders of Giants. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who was involved in leadership positions in Agadis Yisrael for over five decades, takes us behind the scenes to gain a unique understanding of Da's Torah in all its glory. Rabbi Bloom met with Gedoli Yisrael at Moetz's Gedoli HaTorah and in quiet, urgent conferences. He chatted with them in cars and on Shabbos afternoons at conventions. He shares with us stories, many of them not widely known, of generations of greatness. From the Chafetz Chaim to Rev. Aaron Cutler and Reb Meisha Feinstein, from the Ger Rebbes and Reb Aaron Lane Steinman to Rev. Don Segal and dozens and dozens more. We also meet the Jewish people's Askanim. We are amazed by by first-handed stories of Mike Tress and, of course, the incomparable Rabbi Meish Sher. In his years in Agoda, Rabbi Bloom also met with the highest echelons of the U.S. government, and he shares his behind-the-scenes understanding of great political events and movements. It is a book you definitely should not miss. Get a copy today at archgirl.com, Amazon, or at your local Jewish bookstore. On the Shoulders of Giants by Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Get your copy today. I would also like to let you know that every few weeks throughout the Back to Basics program, we are going to have a Q&A with Rabbi Liel Shalom. So if you have any questions or just want to get a little bit more clarity on any one of the episodes, send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Every Q&A, we are going to give away a free copy of the incredible book On the Shoulders of Giants. So send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com and you might be the lucky winner of the fascinating book On the Shoulders of Giants. And now, let's get back to the show. So that's Mashiach. When we say Mashiach, 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 means the anointed, the 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 shmir, right? But it doesn't, he's going to have a name and he's going to be a human and he's not going to necessarily need to perform any magic to prove he's Messiah. Okay. Now we're going to, we're going to go on with this. It's going to go more and more. Okay. Now, now the Ramam goes hardcore right now. He's going straight into the point of describing who's Mashiach and how do you know he's Mashiach? I'm going to say something, you know, it might sound really bad, but um, there's a lot of Michiganists out there that claim that they're Messiah, okay? In fact, there is a syndrome called the, they called it a name, it's called the Jerusalem syndrome. Yeah, I uh, I had a neighbor in Harnof who uh, apparently was Mashiach, if you ask him, yeah. Right, and a lot of them end up in Belfium, it's not Israel. In Israel, there's a insane asylum. There's a place where they have they bring all the Jerusalem syndromes to there. Yeah. I mean, it sounds bad when it, like the way I'm saying it, but everyone could claim that he's Messiah. How do we know that Messiah is Messiah? Unfortunately, I, I read a book. There's a book. I don't know why it didn't become so famous. Maybe you did, and I don't know. But it was a book, fair, a thick book called Meshichei Mashich, HaSheker Umit Nagdav. There's a whole entire book called Mashiachei HaSheker Mitnagdav, the the false Mashiachs, and and it brings in history this huge, crazy history piece of people that attempted the one of the most famous ones is Shabtai Tzvi, right? You have a cheese and crackers, obviously. Right, right, 
uh, Jesus Christ, he was, he was claiming to be the Messiah. That's true. And it started from there. <laughs> the book actually starts from him. That's where we know the false um, messiahs. Um, so how do we know what is the, let's call it the criteria to be Messiah? And again, the Ramam is not making this up. The Ramam is just collecting whatever we know within the promise. You take all the promises of the prophets and we figure out a very specific criteria. And says the Ramam in the fourth Mishnah. Ve'im Yamot, after everything we said till now, he's a human, he's anointed, he's the Messiah, meaning that's not his name, he doesn't have to perform magic. Ve'im Yamot Melech Mibes David. So if we will have someone from the family of King David, are you going to ask me, how do you know? Well, surprise, there's a little surprise for you. There is currently, as we're speaking, a large number of Jews that have a beautiful tree with dates and places of dates and places where they're buried and names of the people. Jews are very good in documenting and commemorating, you know, people that contributed and are like we spoke in Harsinai. We, we have names and there is actually people that have incredible family trees. In a way, it sounds like crazy, but sometimes if someone didn't have a disaster or didn't, uh, you know, or the Ascola didn't, completely take away his family religiously and things like that, um, you'll find they'll have a, you know, easier time to track back their families, right? All the way back. And, and it gets easier and easier if you know, if you got to this certain amount of uh, a stage in history, so then you can track that because of that, because of that, a few factors, and you can figure out, you know, more or less where you came from. And sometimes like you have incredible, incredible, these family trees. And so first of all, we need to know, that was just as a side note, but first of all, says the Rambam, he needs to be from the family of David. That's criteria number one, right? So I, I usually when I give this year, I mean, there's like a Cohen or a Levi in the room is like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not Mashiach. I mean, if he's, if he's really, a, if he's 100% a Cohen, I mean, he is, um, he's a Cohen. So, Technically, he can't be. We know at least he cannot be Mashiach because he's not from the family of David, right? Um, well, so just quick question: Is it does like God choose who's going to be Mashiach, or like each person you know need to you need to work for, and if you do the right things, okay, he deserves to be Mashiach. Second question is: Does this person like does he know now, or just like at some point it's just like revealed to him? Okay, it's time. You're Mashiach now. Go do your thing. Go get the donkey ready. <laughs> well, we're going to see about the donkey, but um, and beautiful two questions. Exactly, you design, you said it well, and those are very reasonable questions. Um, so, very simply, um, it's not that Mashiach has to necessarily get this revelation. Boom! God coming to him. You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Nope. It, if that's what we're gonna exactly we're gonna learn we're gonna, we're getting to that point to clear it more but basically it's if he fits the criteria and he's doing the job as they say so we know he's Mashiach he's gonna know himself and and that answers also your second question is like when does he know like when does he get the note like beep, you're now have the crown of Messiah. It's not, doesn't, it's gonna, if he performs what we're gonna say in a moment, 
when he if he performs that, so he becomes Mashiach. Okay, it will be more clear in in a, a Mamish. You you just you know you, you stole the the mission of the Rambam. So he's going to answer in a moment. You'll see. Okay, but that's the basic idea. It's not that it's a revelation. He's going to know once he performs it. And what does he need to perform and have? So now says the Rambam. Here we go. Im yamod melech mi David. So, like we said, he needs to be from the king, descendant of King David. Hoge David Aviv. He is a great Torah scholar, and osik b'mitzvos David Aviv. We know that David Amelech was. He served Hashem in, in, in an incredible, an incredible way. He was a, a real, real, real over Ever Hashem. As you read the Tehillim and you see what incredible Avodah Hashem he had. So he needs to be also in that direction of He's in the same pattern as King David spiritually. The Ramam is kind of giving you a very, very clear indication there, you know, of the people that mm, don't believe in the Torah Shabbat Peh. Stay away from them. Okay, so that's second condition. So we said, first of all, he's descendant of David. He's a great um, Godel Hador, great, huge person in Torah and mitzvot, like in the way of King David. He's going to bring the Kal Yisrael, Yachov Yisrael, he's going to bring them to go in the ways of the Torah, and give strength, strengthen um, um, serving Hashem, worshiping uh, the God Almighty. He's going to help him. He's going to do Chizuk, as they say. And he's going to fight the wars. It doesn't necessarily over here mean the wars. We're going to talk about the war uh, next week. Um, maybe not too much. Um, meaning more of the spiritual wars. Because I, I don't need to prove that. We know today how much people and, and in the previous generations uh, since the, the Enlightenment, the Haskalah, how how much we there is people that are fighting us just keeping Torah mitzvahs. So he's going to fight back on the on the wars of the milchamos Hashem. If he did all that, If we have a great person, he's the descendant of David. He's a god elder. He's huge. He's fighting the wars. Not only that, he is, like we said, you know, everyone's agreeing. This he has a potential Mashiach, says the Rambam. He's not for sure Mashiach. He's Becheskas Mashiach. So there is a concept that you'll find someone very big. And you know, we had a few of those. We had a lot of people in history that had. Maybe some of the potential. There were great, great leaders of the Claudius world, and they were doing a lot of these stuff. They were fighting for the Jewish people. They were bringing the the Jewish people closer to Hashem. They were descendant of King David. 
if he if you find someone like that, he's becheskas Mashiach. Could be very good chances to be Mashiach. Oh, so what makes you Mashiach? Come on, tell me already. What's the thing? Here comes the thing. Im If he did so. Ubono mikdash bimakomo, if he did everything we said, but he built the temple in its place. Bono mikdash bimkomo, not in America, not in Russia, not in South Africa. He built the base of Mikdash where? Harabais, not only Harabais, where you know the, the the golden yarmulke is there. That then, place. How how could someone build it if if it's usher to go up there? Very good. First of all. Um, it's not that it's usher to go up there. You know, let's just be exact, exact over here. You're allowed to go up if you're holy, right? The Kedusha, you're allowed to go there and depends where. We know more or less there's no. some machlokasim on areas and everything, but technically, once we purify ourselves and we go into the Beis Amigdash, do you know, I'm going to shock you maybe, but you know that technically, again, what I'm saying is very technically because it has to do, goes a lot of the details of Machlokasim, where is exactly what? And you shouldn't go near even there because you do, there's a lot of problems. But technically, there is a way to Makrif Korban Pesach today. You know, the Israeli law is because of after six-day war, um, we have this agreement with the Waqf, with Jordan, that you're not allowed to have any Jewish... Ironically, you cannot have any Jewish, you know, uh, religious practice up in the mountain. Do you know that? If you go up in Harabais as a Jew and you say, you get arrested on the spot. Um, just as a, as a side point, let's go off track a second. You know, when um, during the Six Day War, after the incredible moment, incredible miracle, that, you know, the famous line, Harabait Beadenu, when the Israeli soldiers managed to storm into Harabais and, and kick away all of our enemies out, um, Moshe Dayan came in, you know, that, that's the guy with the patch on the eye. He came in, um, he was a general, I think, and he came in, you know, and, um, basically, he, the Israeli soldiers controlled everything, controlled the whole entire peninsula, controlled the whole entire Harabais. It was all in our hands, that's all. And we were able to take anything. They could have brought, you know, a, a bulldozer and wipe out the, the, the mosques over there and, you know, and finish the story. But Hashem runs the world. And um, what he did, he gave back the keys. That's, a, that's according to History, the the history, um, he gave back to the sheik over there, the, the head of the when when they made a deal over there with the waqf, um, Moshe Dayan handed over the keys to the the sheikh or whoever it was, and my father says this: How symbolic is it that he handed over the keys to him? Meaning we were we were all the way there. I mean, technically speaking, quote-unquote, we were able to build the base of Megiddos. Not that we had only Mashiach can do it. and But but you just see, again, this is a side point, and like I told you, I cannot apply things from the 
prophets. So my father was saying, how symbolic is it that that he was handing over the keys to him? Um, and I heard this also from a different rabbi. I'm sorry, I'm, I don't remember who was a great rabbi that said that he had a some tzaddikim had a very hard time to go to the kosel because on one hand it's the most happiest thing ever. We were two thousand years waiting for the moment to come all the way to the Mokam Amigdash, to the place of the Beis Amigdash. We were yearning, we were praying for it to return after 2,000 years. So on one hand, it's the happiest thing that ever happened to us in the last 2,000 years. On the other hand, there were some tzaddikim that felt that it's kind of like the king that, you know, kicked away his, his the, the, the prince, you know, like all the parables. The king sent away the prince away. And when he finally allowed him to come back, he told him, well, but you need to stay outside of the walls of the palace. Like, he got you that close. You were away for so long, and you got all the way close to the Kosum, but not to the Beis HaMikdash. And that's a thought that we should, you know, it's worth thinking about how incredible, incredible and, and symbolic it is that, you see, Mashiach comes not because of wars or because of tactics, it becomes the, because we need to be ready. So, of course, everyone, all the Gedolim agree, all the great tzaddikim in the last few generations agree that we're getting closer to the time of Mashiach. That's, there's no dispute. There's a dispute on this concept of Mashiach um, verse like, if it's the beginning of the Geul, I'm not going to go into that. Um, um, you know, uh, you know that's kind of a complicated uh topic but one thing everyone agrees that it's the ikvitadem shicha it's the times before the coming of mashiach meaning we're very close that everyone agrees because we see it also from the kibbutzit chesrael from the fact that we have six seven million jews here in in eretz yisrael already which is incredible this is one of the the prophets one of the prophets is kibbutzit chesrael the gathering of the jewish nation back into israel who can argue with the fact that it's Miraculous. No one argues on that. There's argues within, which, you know, we're not going to get into it right now. But how symbolic, back to that point, that we're right at the place of the Beis HaMikdash. And uh, Moshe Dayan was handing over the keys, meaning to say, not yet. Um, and everyone knows, like, everyone will ask, like, technically right now to go and and have a war, you know, it's going to make the Third World War. It's a very famous line, whoever knows the inside politics. Like, if you touch the the, the, the temples, the Muslim Arab, Muslim world will start a war. We'll be at World War Three. It's a famous line. And um, that's part of the prophet prophecy of Mashiach, that, you know, even if it doesn't seem like technically, oh, first of all, even technically, who would believe you would stand by the coast and millions of Jews are able to go and pray by the Kaisal? Who would believe that? So if you believe that, hopefully that will continue and continue, and we will get to the Beis HaMikdash itself. Um, so that is, so when do we know that he's for sure Mashiach? When do we know for sure he's Mashiach? We only know he's for sure Mashiach if he built the temple. Is the temple built? No. Unfortunately, not yet. Unfortunately. So that means Mashiach, 
unfortunately, still didn't come. And that's what we're praying for. Why do we want this? That will be next week. Why are we yearning for the days of Mashiach? But for now, we're going to leave, I'm, you know, I'll leave you off with this thought. That now, that first of all, we, uh, we're starting to understand that the king of Mashiach himself is bottom line to have a leader. That we're going to have the leader of the Jewish nation leading us, bringing us together, fighting for us, fighting for our rights to get close to Hashem. That's the number one uh, part, part to understand the concept of Mashiach. Next week, we're going to talk about what are the days of Mashiach, okay? After he comes, what happens? Do I suddenly, in a poof, in a second, I turn into the biggest tzaddik? Is it true that suddenly all the dead will revive when Mashiach comes? Disclaimer, wrong. It's not the way, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's wrong, basically, this line that whoever thinks that Mashiach comes, boom, everyone pops out of the thing. It's not exactly like that. Then we're going to talk about it next week. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring you deep into the machlokasim and the different um, opinions. We're gonna try to go kind of like try to stay away from all the arguments and try to say at least what we don't know, what we kind of could establish mostly based on the Rambam. But at least we establish in this episode what the concept of who is Mashiach himself, who is the character of Mashiach, and how do we know he will come? How do you know he will come? When the base of will be built and you have that leader, which is Mashiach. And like I told you, like your question you saw before, like what? One day he's going to have this voice telling him, hey, you are Mashiach. Now you understand much better, right? Now you understand that if that leader with all the criteria we said will manage to build the base of English. Now the question is, will it happen magically or will it happen um, uh, by nature let's call it so next week we're going to talk about this concept of mashiach coming by fire it says Ba'ish hashem burned the besamidash with fire he destroyed it with fire and with fire he will build it so next week we're going to try to understand what that means and etc but at least we know now what is the criteria for seeing the king mashiach which we know it's a human it's a leader of Klal Yisrael, a tzaddik like the king like david amelech and that's going to enable us to come to the days of Mashiach. What are the days of Mashiach? How it's going to look like? What's going to happen there? And what is the whole purpose of that? And why should I yearn and pray for those days next week? Stay tuned. Thank you very much for listening. And it was a great pleasure and honor to learn together this topic. But of course, tune in. You cannot really fully understand the concept without tuning in next week to the next episode. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week. So that is it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you were able to learn something new. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful day. We will be back next week.